Hey, let's get started. My name's Michael. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at North Village Church. So good to see the buzz in the room of people just connecting. Good to see some new faces. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we have a gift as a devotional. Please grab that. You can turn to page 35. Uh, open up the Bible. Matthew chapter 5. So good to be with you this morning. My daughter's returned from college. She's here this morning. Super, super excited and uh, getting to celebrate Thanksgiving with uh, friends and family. Man, what a, what a fun time of year. It's even a little chilly outside, which you know, almost feels like the fall. And so uh, you got to love that. This morning, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to see God's Word teaching us about identity and purpose. Identity and purpose. Identity is who we are. Purpose is what we do. So think about that for a second. Identity and purpose. Like how, how do you see yourself? Like, who are you as a person? Who am I, right? What, why do you exist? Why are you here? Right? Identity and purpose. I mean, I, I think identity and purpose in our culture right now is very popular. Like, everybody's very curious about our identity and purpose, right? You have uh, 23 and me, right? Uh, you know, you got to learn your ancestry. I mean, don't you want to know? where? Don't you want to know your roots? Don't you want to know you came from and you got like 6%, you know, this and 30%? Like, that's we, why, why do we want to know those things? Because we want to know what's, who am I? You see, in our culture, it's talking a lot about sexuality, sexual desires. That's who I am. My identity and my sexual desires, we want to let everybody know this is my identity, right? What we do for work, you notice when you talk to people, you meet people, that's one of the quickest questions. What do you, what do, you do, right? Are you married? Do you have kids? Like, why are these conversations important to us? Because it speaks to our identity and purpose, right? Identity and purpose. Uh, when God's Word this morning is going to teach us about our greatest identity and purpose, our ultimate identity identity and purpose. And Jesus is going to zero in on that in Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 13. I'll read. You follow along. All right. Jesus is speaking these words. He's gathered people to describe his kingdom on earth. And he says, you are salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So the Gospel of Matthew is about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, we see the verification of Jesus. In chapter 4, we saw the validation of Jesus so that in chapter 5, Jesus is describing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's this powerful passage we looked at last Sunday. All right, verses 1 to 9, you have these beautiful words about pure in heart, right, that, that we're peacemakers, that we're uh, poor in spirit. And then he kind of drops a bomb in verses 10 and 11. Do you remember verses 10 and 11 last Sunday? In verses 10 and 11, it's like Jesus says, oh, yeah, also in my kingdom, by the way, there's going to be persecution, <laughs> uh, insults, and false accusations, right? And it's just like, wait a minute, what? Like, it kind of just catches you off guard. Like, welcome to North Village Church. Like, persecution, insults, and false accusations. Like, maybe it's possible that when you were invited to trust in Jesus, you were told, like, all your dreams are going to come true, 
Like you're going to meet a beautiful spouse and get a big house and a dog and the best career ever and never have any health problems and just smiley faces galore. But that's not what Jesus says. Like that's not what God's word teaches. Jesus makes it clear like in his kingdom there's going to be hardships. Now keep in mind, like remember the context of this passage. Jesus is speaking to men and women, Jewish people in the first century who were already living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Life is already difficult for them. Israel's spiritual leaders have led them astray. Life is difficult. And the promised Messiah has come throughout all the Old Testament. We've been waiting here, here, bam. Jesus is like, my kingdom on earth. Oh, yeah. There's also going to be some persecution. That's the context of our passage this morning, right? It's in the midst of this hardship that Jesus is driving his communication to identity and purpose in his kingdom. He's saying to them, you, like, I know you are salt of the earth. Like that's, that phrase, that is a statement of truth. It's a statement of fact. You, you are salt of the earth. This is who you are in Christ in his kingdom. You are salt of the earth. It isn't aspirational it isn't maybe if you went to church that sunday like if you you know said yes to those things and no to those things no this is who you are it's a statement of identity and purpose we who are in christ it's possible our eyes just want to go to the butt right we want to go like what was it but if the salt has become tasteless how can it be made salty again all right, we can't stop maybe some. I can't stop looking at those words, but don't go there uh, just yet. We'll go there in a second, but just let's just talk about salt. All right, because that's what he's saying. You, identity and purpose, you are salt of the earth. I mean, salt in 2023 has mixed connotation. All right, you, don't, you shouldn't have too much salt in your diet. That's not healthy, right? You got to cut out the sodium, all right? That's salt, all right? Or maybe somebody has told you you're a little salty. It's not a compliment, right? <laughs> That's not what God's word's talking about. Like salt in the first century was incredibly valuable. So that there's three main uses for salt in the first century. First, salt was a preservative. Right? They didn't have refrigerators back then. And so as a way to keep meat from rot, rotting, you would cover, cover it in salt. It would function as a, as a preservative. Also, salt functioned to add flavor. We know that, right? You throw some salt on it. Add some, when my wife goes out to get some chips and salsa, she just, like, immediately, the chips come. She doesn't ask. She doesn't ask the table. Like, can I? It's just like, uh-huh. They're just, I mean, for 30 seconds, like, so much, so much salt. Like, you want some, some salt with your chips? Like, it's, like, so much salt. I like, I like a little salt on my watermelon, you know, like summer. You ever do that? It's nice. Summer hot day, a little salt on your watermelon. Flavor. Pop. Somebody just told me recently, I think this is kind of gross, but they put salt in their coffee. I'm not going to try it, but you try it. Put a little salt in your coffee next time. See if it pops up. So you got preservative, you got flavor, and then salt also functions as a cleansing agent, right? It's a source of purification, like that it was a, a healing agent. So Jesus is speaking to these people. They're already discouraged about life. They're living under the Roman oppression. And he says to them, insult and persecution are going to come. 
And so he's reminding them of their supernatural identity and purpose. You're salt of the earth. I mean, to be clear, this isn't trying to become salty. This isn't one day you might become salty. It's through faith in Jesus. This is who you are. Sit in that. This is your purpose. This is our identity. As soon as you believe in Jesus, enter into his kingdom, salt of the earth, that in Christ we have the supernatural ability to preserve, to put off decay. What? I mean, think about that. I mean, we know from Scripture that humanity has fallen into sin, and then as a result, like, humanity's just in, like, a downward trend, it feels like, and so you turn on the news, and, and, and we see people hurting one another. We look at our family. I mean, we have plenty of examples in our own lives of people hurting one another. We see it in our own soul. We, we hurt ourselves. We see addiction to food and substance and shopping and entertainment and comfort. Like We have this brokenness in our soul. And so that Jesus is reminding us that when you're in Christ, that you have the ability to put off decay, to, to bring life, to bring restoration, to add flavor. Right? Not because you're trying to do those things. It's simply because you are a follower of Jesus. Like when you walk in the room, joy walks in the room with you. Peace, kindness, gentleness. That's who you are. That's your identity in Christ. That you are salt of the earth. That you're a cleansing agent. That simply being in the room is going to raise the spiritual temperature. Not because you're preaching a sermon or because you're counseling that person. Those things are great. But just who you are. That's who you are in Christ. You're salt of the earth. Now let's talk about the warning. I'm not going to glaze over that. Verse 13, there is a warning in there. He says, but if the salt should become tasteless. And I'm guessing that some of us are wondering, have I? Like I've come to faith in Christ, but have I become tasteless? <laughs> have I been thrown out? Like we've made decisions. Like we know the things we've done in the past and the amount of times we've gotten drunk or the amount of times we've said things or done things or hurt people, sometimes intentional and sometimes unintentional. And so maybe we read verse 13 and we think to ourselves, have I, have I become useless? Maybe we're wondering that right now. Have I lost my saltiness? Listen, I need you to hear this. Our saltiness doesn't come from our morality. Our saltiness doesn't come from our family background. Our saltiness doesn't come based on how many times you attend a worship service. <laughs> our saltiness comes through faith in Jesus. That, that, that's what he's teaching us. Come into my kingdom as soon as you enter, this is who you are. This is our identity and purpose. 
This is why the, this identity and purpose is the ultimate identity and purpose. It's why you don't want to root your identity and purpose in your sexual desires or your career or your ethnicity or your hobbies or your accomplishments because those things are always changing. Have you noticed? Like the value of those other identities and purposes, they're always changing. Like sometimes they're, they're very valuable, then sometimes like they're not very valuable. Does that make sense? Like there's, there's no consistency. Like I remember when I was in high school, it wasn't cool to be a nerd. Like you didn't want to be a nerd. You was like, that was your goal in life, just not to be a nerd in the 1980s. But today in 2023, it's somehow popular. Like it's cool to be a nerd. Like how did that happen? Like I needed that in 1980s, but I didn't get the benefit of that in the 1980s when I was playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. Like I didn't have that. Think about the British. There was a time in our history we didn't like the British. Remember 1776? Like we didn't like them, but today in 2023, we love the British. Oh, their accents. Oh, oh, they sound so smart. I could just hear them talk all day. We love the British. It's a value that's always changing. It's not a good identity. It's not a good purpose. Jesus says this is a value that never changes. This is an identity that never goes away. That through faith in Jesus, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You're forgiven of your sin. You are invited to live in his kingdom. You are made sons and daughters of the Most High. And in that moment, you're salt. So in verse 13, Jesus is giving a warning. It's not connected to our morality. He's giving a warning to not turn away. Because he knows he's speaking to a people who are already discouraged. He just told them, it's probably going to get worse. And so in the midst of that, he's saying, but don't turn from me. Like, this is who you are. Don't quit. No matter how difficult it might become, don't stop. Keep turning. Keep walking with me. Like, he is the one who makes us salty, so keep turning to Jesus. That's the teaching of verse 13. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. He keeps going. Verse 14, Jesus says, you're also light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, identity and purpose. You're light of the world. This is who you are. And I just want to drill that into our souls this morning, that, that we are not the light. Like the only reason Jesus can make this statement is because Jesus is the light. I mean, he's even alluding to it in verse 15 when he says, nor does anyone light a lamp. Nor does anyone light a lamp. That's reminding us that our lamps need to be lit. Does that make sense? Like, we are not the source of light. Our lamps need to be lit. Jesus is the light. Jesus says those words in John chapter 8. He says, I... I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. When Jesus makes that statement, he, he is claiming to be God. It is a radical statement. Like no other spiritual guru in human history makes a statement close to that. Jesus is the one. When he says that, Jesus is saying, I was there in Genesis chapter 1. When he says, in the beginning, let there be light. Like, that's, I, like I am the source of light that's what that's what he's teaches is 
that he is the light of the world, that all of humanity was created to be in the light. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, all of humanity was created to be perfect, lit up in his glory, but Genesis chapter 3, all of humanity turns. Sin enters into the story, humanity turns to darkness, so that from Genesis 3 on, all of humanity is born into spiritual darkness. And then Jesus comes, and he enters into our world. It's called the incarnation. It's Merry Christmas. It's why we celebrate. It's God in the flesh. And Jesus comes to take all of the spiritual darkness of this world upon himself at the cross. He takes our spiritual darkness upon himself and he conquers our darkness through the resurrection so that all who trust in him, all who enter into his kingdom are invited to live in his marvelous light. Like that's the gospel. Listen to me, if you've yet to trust in Jesus, you need to do that right now. Like believe in Jesus. Like there's a reason you're here this morning. You're curious about the light of Jesus. You're walking in spiritual darkness. You're confused about the darkness of this world. And Jesus is inviting you to trust in him, to hear him speak those words over you, that you, through faith in him, are light of the world. Does that make sense? I just don't want to assume. I want to make that really clear. Now let's talk about light. Let's talk about light. Because light today in 2023 is different than light in the first century. When he says that statement, like today, we have electricity, we have city lights, we have phones, we can light up all around. But in the first century, it's just dark, right? I mean, as soon as the sun went down, like they, they lived in darkness. I mean, a couple lamps, you know, here and there. But can you imagine just how, like, those moments when you're trying to, like, in the middle of the night and you're just... It's dark, and you, you, know, you don't want to turn on the light, and so you're just like trying not to stub your toe. Like just anxiety, you know, the monster is going to grab your foot. Like there's a shadow. Like what's that shadow? Is that somebody? Yeah, like, you know, like just for fractions of seconds, we live in that fear. That would have been their whole life, like as soon as the sun went down. And so when Jesus makes that statement, it was a powerful statement that you are light of the world, like you illuminate in addition, that phrase, you are light of the world, that's language that was used of the religious leaders. It's a powerful statement. I mean, that's, that's what they said about the religious leaders, that they were a guide to the blind and a light to those who were in darkness. And in verse 14 and 15, Jesus is speaking to these regular people. They don't have titles. They don't have tassels. They don't have robes. They're just regular people. He's saying, when you believe in me, when you enter into my kingdom, this is who you are. You're light of the world. You have supernatural ability to push back darkness. Sit in that. Like, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, like, you have to see, like, there is a spiritual darkness that's in our world. Do you know that? And there's, there's a reason we see people doing hateful things to one another. It's because there's darkness. There's fear and anxiety. And they're just trying to make it through life without stubbing their soul. Like, it's difficult. 
And there's confusion as a result of that darkness, as a result of spiritual darkness, there's, there's confusion in our day, right? I mean, in, in our culture today, the average person doesn't believe in God. Like, somehow, like, humanity looks at creation, sees beautiful mountains and oceans and intelligent design of creation, our eyes and our DNA, and comes to the conclusion, you know, I bet that stuff just spontaneously combusted into existence. Like, that's what's taught in our culture today, and that seems wise. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because every time we drop a bomb, art usually comes out of it, right? Right? That's what usually happens, right? Every time we just, you see a car explode and like a new better car is the result. Like that's, that's probably, like that's where we are. And that's because of the spiritual darkness. Humanity can't acknowledge God. That can't be an option. It must have just spontaneously combusted. In addition, like truth, truth is like everybody's truth today. Have you seen that in our culture? Like everybody, your truth, your truth matters and your truth matters. And well, that's your truth. And so that's what your truth, when everything is true, nothing is true. That's the end result. It's, it creates spiritual confusion about like, I, like people are growing up in our culture today. And like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's true. We don't know, like our culture struggles to identify what's a man and What's a woman? And like, I'm not even trying to make a political statement with that, but like, that's just an indication. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, we we're confused about family. Like, we have we have a generation of people that are growing up that don't want to have children. They don't want to get married. They don't want to have. They, they say things like, "The world is such a horrible place. You couldn't possibly bring kids into it." And we're like, "That's good. That's really like what." Like, if we don't bring kids, like, we stop. Like, humanity stops. Like, we, somebody's got to bring kids. Somebody's got to take the hit. But that's the wisdom <laughs> of our day. We don't want to do relationships. Like, well, if, I, if I go, if marriage, ugh, marriage is, that's complicated. I got to talk to somebody. I got to reconcile. I got to do a budget. Ugh, I'll just look at pornography. Like, that's... And we think, like, oh, that's good. Like, this is, these are all examples of spiritual darkness. And so Jesus is speaking. Like, you are light of the world. You have the ability to illuminate. You have the ability to, to bring forth clarity. You have the ability to push back darkness. You have the ability, not because you read a book or because you did something or because you served somebody it's because you are indwelled with the holy spirit that's your identity that's your purpose it's the ultimate identity and purpose you're light of the world it's great whatever your ethnic background is go do your dna it's great you have a job get married have kids have hobbies those aren't horrible they're just not worthy of your identity and purpose in life they're just secondary. Your greatest one is in Christ. He says, you're salt of the earth. You're light of the world. I don't want to be redundant here, but I just want to make it real clear that it's not because of us. It's only because of Jesus. That Jesus is the one 
who lights our lamp. That Jesus is the one that transforms our lives. Right? That he is the one who lights up the world. Right? And I, I remember I came to faith when I was 18 years old. I had a friend who was 17 years old. And he barely knew anything about Jesus. And I would just make fun of him, and I would talk to him about Jesus, and I would ask him questions about, like, Jesus' life, death, resurrection. And every time he would say, I don't know. Well, what about this? I don't know. Well, how did Jesus do that? I don't know. And I'd ask him about the Bible. What about the Bible? What, what, what about that? That doesn't make any sense. What does that mean? I don't know. But every time, he didn't know anything. But every time, he would, try, he would say, but you need to believe in Jesus. And somehow, the Lord used that in my life to transform my life. How is that possible? It's because my friend wasn't the light. Jesus is the light. We, in Christ, we're just like the moon. Did you know that? Like, the moon doesn't have a source of light in and of itself. Like, moonlight is not from the moon. Moonlight is simply a reflection of the sun. That's who we are in Christ. Every time we go throughout the day, we go to a play date, we show up at work, we serve a friend, we celebrate Thanksgiving, it's not because of ourselves. It's simply because of Christ in us. As soon as we walk into a room, the light of Christ shows up. And in verses 14 and 15, there's a warning. Just like in verse 13, Jesus knows he's speaking to a people that are already discouraged. He knows persecution is coming. And so he's saying to them, hey, don't put your lamp under a basket. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get distracted. You're going you're to get confused about who your identity and your purpose is. It's going to happen. And so keep turning back to me. Don't, don't give up on me. Don't quit on me. Don't get disheartened. Like, keep turning to the one who lit up your world. Like, this is who you are. You are light of the world. You with me? Let's look at verse 16. Verse 16, he says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Verses 14 and 15, our lives are lit through faith in Jesus. Verse 16, let your light shine. Let your light shine so they might bring glory to God. How's that possible? I mean, I don't know about you. You read a verse like that, it's easy for our brains to kind of go to this place of like, well, I mean, do I need to like rent out the Coliseum? Do I need to like stand on the street corner? Do I need to give away all my, how do I let my light shine? To bring glory to God? What does that look like? I mean, tomorrow morning, when we're going to wake up, some of us probably take a shower, get some breakfast, maybe get the kids ready, and we're going to go to work, have lunch, go back to work, pick up the kids, go home, do dinner, maybe watch a TV show, go to bed, wake up, do it again. Where does the light of God's glory show up in that reality, right? What does that look like practically? First thing, here's how it shows up. First thing, you believe in Jesus. If you've never done that, do that right now. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus is the one who conquered death, 
that you are living in spiritual darkness and he is the light. Turn and trust in him. If you've never done that, do that this morning. Come talk to me. We'll have people after the teaching. Go talk to them at the back. Make that decision today. Second, like we not only want to have our souls lit, right? we not only want to enter into the kingdom, but we want to grow in Christ. So I just want to walk through some practical areas of our lives where we can grow in Christ, right? We just don't want to enter into faith in Jesus. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. So here's, here's some quick areas, just real big areas that we can focus on this morning. The first one is that you commit to a local church. Commit to a local church, right? It doesn't have to be North Village Church. I would love for us all to commit to North Village Church, but the focus is that we want to commit to a local church. So we have a church home, right? Jesus just told us. He just warned us twice. There's going to be challenges. Therefore, you want the covering of a church family, a spiritual covering of a church family where you can, you can say, this is my church family, right? That there's ownership. I love it in our church family when the pronoun changes, where somebody comes and they visit and they're like, you guys are great. And then it turns into we're great. Like we're doing things. Like we, we will see that pronoun change from you, your, y'all to we, us, right? There's an ownership of your church family. That's the first one. We invite you. Commit to a local church. Second one is connect. Connect with other followers of Jesus. This is critical. Again, Jesus just said persecution and challenges are coming, right? He says this is your identity. You are salt. You are light of the world. Well, what does that look like? Well, you want to have other followers of Jesus. We want to lock arms with other followers of Jesus. You don't want to just settle for, for a worship service on a Sunday where we stand up and sit down and leave. We want to get to know the men and women and children in this room. We want to share stories. We want to share meals, right? It doesn't all happen on the first hangout, but over time that you're gradually growing in those types of relationships with one another. Let me ask this question. We're talking about connecting with other followers of Jesus. How many of us, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, a little audience participation. How many of us have had someone in our life who has come alongside us to help us grow spiritually? Like if that, any point in your life, in our church, outside our church, put your hand in the air if that's happened. That's a good amount. At some point in your life, somebody's helped you. Keep your hands up in the air because I just want to see the, the room. That's a good amount of people in the room. Praise God. Somebody in our lives has intentionally helped us grow spiritually. Just, that's called discipleship, right? That you, Somebody has come alongside you and intentionally. Definitely happened in my life. My hand would be up in the air. Praise God for that. Second question, last one. Raise your hand on this one. How many of us would like for someone today to come alongside us to help us grow spiritually? This has happened in our past. How many of us would want that to happen today? Put your hands in the air if you like want that. That's a lot of people in this room. Praise God. Like, here's the key. Salt and light isn't just out there. Salt and light is in this room right here. And so the majority in this room have been people who've experienced someone helping them become salty and bright. And we want somebody to help us become salty and bright. Does that make sense? Praise God. Like that's the opportunity for us, church family. The goal is not for me as the pastor to meet with every person so I can help you grow spiritually. That's not the goal. The goal is that we get to do that for one another in the body of Christ. I mean, praise God. 
Praise God. Where does that, what does that look like where you start? I mean, you just, you just start by getting to know one another. Think about like our home life. Hey, man, what's, what's, what's the home life like? What's the private like when we're not to worship on Sunday mornings? What's, what's it like? Like what's the saltiness like in the private parts of our life? What's the light bright like, right? What's it like in your marriage? Are you bringing flavor into your marriage? You sprinkling a little salt into your marriage, right? Are you, are you, are you sprinkling a little salt on your, on your parenting and, and your, your kids? Are they sprinkling a little salt on mom and dad? Like, are you bringing clarity and illuminating truth in your, in your marriage, in your, in your life? Like, wouldn't it be odd for us to be salty and bright to the city, but dull and flavorless in our home? Nobody wants that, right? So just... We help. That's where you start. You come alongside one another, encouraging one another, helping one another to be salty and bright in our relationships, in our relationships with one another. Third one, challenge ourselves spiritually. Listen, I find it so often that people are like, oh, that sounds awesome. I just don't feel like doing that right now. Like we want to grow in Christ. We want to grow stronger in our faith. I don't, I, just, I don't really feel like that. But like anytime you don't feel like doing something, you should definitely do that. You should definitely do that. Like don't wait to feel like growing in Christ. Just start taking the steps to grow in Christ. Just do it. Just do it. Don't wait for the feeling. Like it, the feeling may never come. Like the, the invitation is there. If, if we're going to, to challenge ourselves in our career, you know, we'll listen to podcasts, we'll read articles on hobbies, like in our ethnic background. We'll do that in other areas of identity and purpose in our life, right? Why not do that in our faith and intentionally put ourselves in a place so that we can grow spiritually? Reading God's Word, that's got to help like learning about who we are in Christ. Right now our church family is challenging one another to pray, right, just to increase the spiritual temperature of prayer. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I'm pretty sure if we're talking to Jesus more, it's going to help us grow in our faith in Jesus, right? We're doing this thing called theological training in January. You see these scattered throughout. All it is, we picked five books. You read a book a month. You write a one-pager on it. You meet to discuss that book. The whole intent is to turn up the dial. It's to create a new norm of a spiritual temperature in our soul, that we are challenging ourselves to grow spiritually. Last one. Compassion towards others. What does that look like for each of us who are in Christ to think to ourselves, what does it look like for me to extend love towards somebody else? I mean, God's word teaches us not to look after our own interests, but also the interest of others. And so for us, who are the others? I'm not saying you've got to go start a nonprofit. It should be something. And we just finished raising baskets for Pillow Elementary. Our goal was to get 10 baskets and gift cards. Praise God, I think we got 18, 19 uh, come in. Praise God. Yeah, 
We got this barrel of fun. Put some toys in there. That's a great way. Man, show up. Throw some toys in there. Just bless other people. Uh, opportunities. I mean, we could sit here all morning and think about ways to show compassion towards others, right? I mean, we could provide English classes to people in our community. We could serve the elderly. We could uh, provide uh, workshops around trade, around you know, electrical, uh, carpentry, uh, mechanical, sewing. I mean, we come up with ideas all day long, can't we? Right? There's lots of ways. Help the homeless. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Right? But when verse 16 talks about the, the light of our soul shining out glory to God, and this is where I would start. I would commit to a local church. I would connect with others. I would challenge myself spiritually. I'd find somebody else to, to extend God's love to. Right? And trust him to do the work. Trust him. Trust him to do the work. So this morning we're going to celebrate communion. Right? Communion is a, is a time uh, for us to celebrate what we've been given in Christ. And so I want to invite the worship team to the front. Invite our elders to the front. Let's lower the lights. Right? Communion is a meal. It's a meal that we celebrate uh, the relationship that we have in Christ. And so that cracker, it's a reminder of Jesus' body. That juice is a reminder of Jesus' blood. It's been broken and poured out on our behalf so that we have relationship with him. That's what we're celebrating. We have identity and purpose in him. That's what we're celebrating. We're in his kingdom. This is who we are. So if you've never trusted in Jesus, we ask you to hold off on coming forward for communion. But if you have, then you come and you dip that cracker in that juice and you celebrate the identity and purpose we have in Christ. And so before you come, I just want to give you a chance to reflect. Like, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Are there some areas of your life that have distracted you from your ultimate identity and purpose? Some areas of life that have deluded you from your ultimate identity and purpose in Christ? What are those things? What's God putting on your heart right now? What's the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind right now? Maybe it's some people. Maybe there's some people in your life that you need to have some conversations with. They're distracting you from your identity and purpose. Maybe there's some things at work. <laughs> Maybe there's some boundaries that need to be set at work. Some secondary and tertiary identity and purposes are creeping in. And you want to hold that boundary. That this is who I am in Christ. This shapes everything I do. Maybe there's some lies that you're believing. And I invite you to confess those things. Jesus says he's faithful to forgive us. Confess whatever those areas in your life that are distracting you, that are deluding you. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. Your lamps have been lit. They never go out. 
You're not sometimes in the kingdom and sometimes out of the kingdom. You're in his kingdom. You're salt of the earth. You're light of the world. Father in heaven, I confess. I confess I get discouraged. I get distracted. I get deluded. Father, help me to turn to you. Help me to have my eyes on you, Jesus. Help me to walk day in and day out in salt and light for your glory. It's in Jesus' name. You come forward as you feel led.